You gotta try it. Please don't be dumb. Try what? Calling the empty man. Who's the empty man? Well, supposedly, if you're on a bridge and you find a bottle, you blow into it, and you think about the empty man, then after a little while, you're supposed to hear him coming for you. Tell him the rest. Well, so on the first night, you hear him. Then you can't stop thinking about him. And then on the second night, you see him following you. And on the third night? Well, on the third night, he finds you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. It's crossover day. I just did an episode of the fantastic Fright Mike podcast, which I have been obsessively listening to for the last two or three weeks and falling asleep to the dulcet tones of my guests for this episode. I just did an episode of their show, and now they are here to talk about The Empty Man, Liz and Sam. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello. Your hostesses with the mostesses who they get to they get to do cool things like theme weeks like they're finishing up their second month of found footage movies they've had summer camp theme you know they'll do a month of themes they have uh fright fights where they kind of pit two movies against each other whereas i get stuck with whatever i get stuck with which is you know has its ups and downs but luckily fate was on my side this week as we're talking about the Empty Man from just last year, 2020, a movie that was kind of unceremoniously dumped into theaters mid-pandemic to no marketing, no real anything, and kind of came and went with very little fanfare. Yeah, I didn't even know it came out in 2020. I, I was like, this is a 2021 movie, and then I looked at IMDb and I'm like, nope. I didn't even know it was got a theater release. I thought it was just like an HBO exclusive. <laughs> No, it was kind of, it was like the last, from the Fox-Disney merger, it was like the last kind of Fox, it was like that and New Mutants were the last two things they had sitting there. It was filmed in 2017, and sat on a shelf for three years, and Disney finally went, fuck it, (laughs) just put it out, you know, and it made no money. Um, It's based on a graphic novel that I have not read, or a comic book series, by Colin Bunn, who's a, a writer who I know, and I like a lot of his other stuff, but I haven't read this comic and the movie hasn't necessarily driven me to go find it <laughs> maybe it yeah. would answer some of my questions but i don't know i agree <laughs> yeah, I, we got a lot <laughs> I, I got the end of this movie and i was like oh okay <laughs> interesting well and it's one of those movies that has gotten it's kind of starting to get a cult following but it's sort of the contrarian people who like want to take all the movie's flaws and pretend like that's what makes it good yeah yeah which and yeah. i don't i don't hate this movie. first off this movie has a 22 minute cold, literally cold open which is i know there's a james bond movie that has like a, a long is this the longest cold open ever <laughs> it feels like it damn yeah, I was going to say, yeah, James Bond movies do have, like, really long openings before they get to, like, the, you know, yeah. musical part. But, um, yeah, but I actually really liked this cold open. I was, like, hooked. But it, oh. was, it was so long. Yeah. Like, it was good, but, like, when we got the title card, I was like, how much time oh. do I have? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, the cold open is rad, and I wish the rest of the movie was 
as good as that and not about a guy looking through filing cabinets same yeah that's what i that's exactly what i told sam when uh we finished the movie and i was like man i wish the rest of the movie were just like this like i wish it took place wherever they were Utan? yeah in the mountains yeah because it actually reminded me of like a few different movies merged like it, the beginning reminded me of the ritual which if mm-hmm. you haven't seen it's not mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. good um and like the bye-bye man <laughs> i've never seen i've never seen that. i've never seen it either but i like i know like the lore of it or whatever and i think they were kind of like when they kept saying the empty man i was like it reminded me of that <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah that's a big problem with it is that it is kind of three different movies crammed together you have this you have the very spooky and effective cold open and then it changes into what you think is going to be, yeah, like a Bye Bye Man or a Slender Man or, you know, a very urban legend, Charlie Charlie kind of based story about teenagers getting offed one by one because they messed with something they shouldn't have. No, it's not really that. It's that for about 10 minutes. And then it becomes yeah. a procedural about a detective yeah. wandering around. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 The ending actually kind of reminded me of um, like The Ring almost with like the investigative ways about it and he even finds a videotape that's spooky he did he did yeah not like in a because i like i like the ring but like it just gave me like that vibe because he was like going to the places that like you know but it was so slow like i mean i don't the watchman was also a movie based on a comic book that in my opinion dragged on too fucking long and I don't know if because this movie also is based on a comic, if they're trying to fit certain things in or, like, whatever. But, I like, the pacing of the cold open, I'm like, yes, he, I am fucking, I am in it. This is great. And then the cold open, and then we meet this detective guy who I didn't even, I thought his name was John for the longest time. I found out his name was James halfway through. But it, it's just so slow. Yeah. I was like, oh, my, like, by the time the movie was half over, I was like, oh, oh, my God. There's more story to tell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a movie that you pause partway through to go, how much, it, there's there's got to be like 20 minutes left, right? And you're like, an hour? Yes. What? <laughs> it's two and hours and 16 it's... minutes, which is excessive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it definitely didn't need to be that long. I think if it was a little bit more of like a tighter story and it knew what it wanted to be, it might have been, like it would definitely would have been like a better movie. I think they just had so many ideas and they just were like, yes, all of them. Two hours and 16 minute run time. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even imagine they probably edited out so much too. Yeah. And you can tell the director of this movie likes horror, like is a horror fan because of all the movies that remind me of other movies. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's definitely influenced. <laughs> like the twist was like very Shutter Island at the end. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. It's yeah. a little bit like the movie overall. It's a little bit The Ring. It's a little bit The Wicker Man. It's a little bit. Yes. And the ending is like this weird hybrid of. I felt like The Sixth Sense and Hereditary smooshed together. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Which, and we'll get to the ending when we get to the ending, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it opens in the Uru Valley in Bhutan in 1995. We've got... Who is it? It's Paul, Greg... Ruthie. Ruthie, and I don't know if they ever actually say her name out loud. I had to look it up on IMDb. It's Fiona, I believe, is the other girl. Oh, okay. And they are hiking... Just out on you know friend vacation or whatever. The guy who plays Paul, it's, it probably means nothing, but I found it interesting. His name is he looks like Aaron Paul, kind A of. Bit. His name is Aaron Poole. Huh. 
and he's playing a character named Paul. So I thought that was a weird bit of synchronicity. But they come to this cool but treacherous looking perhaps bridge across this ravine, or not a ravine, like a fucking Grand Canyon. It's like made of chains and it's got bells hanging all over it and stuff and they get across that and there's a whole thing with whistling on bridges <laughs> that comes up. But Paul starts kind of hearing, well, he starts hearing whistling that no one else can hear. So he's kind of following in, and it looks to me like I thought he was just going to walk off the side of the cliff and fall. Yeah. But yeah. He, he does fall, but he falls into like a cave. So uh, Greg goes in after him and finds him kneeling and kind of frozen in front of this enormous, maybe not enormous, but larger than a person anyway, skeleton with all these weird appendages coming off of it. And he's staring at it, and he won't talk, and he won't move. And he finally says to Greg's going to help him out of this hole. And Paul says to him, whispers to him, if you touch me, you will die. And Greg is like, what now? <laughs> and <laughs> you see that he's hesitant. You see that he's like, no, I mean, come on, whatever. So he grabs him, and they haul him up. He's kind of in like a catatonic state. So the four of them find this kind of abandoned, not a hut, but cabin i guess on this mountain it's in the himalayas is where this place is and um kind of are gonna hang out there a storm is coming in we see and they're trying to decide what to do because he's yeah he's pretty unresponsive and his girlfriend ruthie obviously he's like no we need to go get him help now and they're trying to explain to her they're like no it's five miles back just to get to the road and a storm's coming in. So once the storm clears, like, he's not physically injured. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with him. So yeah, we will wait till the storm passes. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I think that's, um, not Paul. Um, the other guy. The other guy. Greg. Yeah, Greg. He, he physically carried him out of that hole and all the way to that cabin. So he's like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> no. So you bitches need to pull your weight. <laughs> well, and there's also kind of a fraught past between them I guess because we see that Paul has sort of old scars on his wrists from one assumes a suicide attempt at some point and at one point Greg is yelling at him like I got this is so you you know like you're making you're ruining our vacation by making this all about you snap out of whatever bullshit this is so we can get on with things you know he thinks he's just fucking around yeah always gotta make it about you Paul but there's just there's there's always this sense of dread and it's telling you, like, day one, day two, day three. Ruthie's sort of, you know, very worried, watching over him at night. When they pulled him out of the cave, sort of in his pocket or clutch in his hand, he had kind of this bone whistle. And she makes the mistake of whistling in it in the middle of the night as she's sitting up. And then she starts hearing things. And there's a super creepy thing where she's sleeping. And Paul is, like, hovering over over her whispering oh, stuff yeah, in her ear. <laughs> Oh, I hated that. It, yeah, it reminded Luigi. me of yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, the Origin of Evil. I hate that. <laughs> the frantic whispering. Yeah, just like the nonsensical, and you hear like every little like. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck! I watched this movie with headphones on, and it was very like ASMR-ish. Whenever they did, yeah. it, like, <laughs> like little tapping noises. Like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> so. The next day or whatever, when the storm passes, Greg and Fiona are like, okay, we're going to go get help. Stay here and be cool. Ruthie looks outside and sees 
like a some kind of figure through the blowing snow and goes out to see what's up and it's sort of a hulking robed shadow person and we get little glimpses of like sort of the tentacle appendages coming off of it and she's like oh shit and then it starts running at her like <laughs> full on so she runs back in the house slams the door and locks it immediately the door is being pounded on but from the other side of the door we hear it's Greg and Fiona they're like no we're back already like why did you lock us out let us in so is she seeing things is she not seeing things who knows but they're like well, no we can't make they're it. like we saw you like yeah. she's like did you see something was out there they're like no we just saw you look like a big dummy <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you yeah so Paul they wake up I guess the next day and Paul is gone so they follow his footsteps in the snow out and they find him kneeling down again sort of next to the crevasse and this is yeah this is where Greg is kind of yelling at him it's so cool because well they find him using that whistle he's blowing that whistle so it's kind of the first thing he's done you know that's any sort of anything since they pulled him out of that cave and Greg yeah Greg is yelling at him and then Ruthie pulls a knife out of her pocket and stabs oh, the God. shit out of Greg like just in three four times like oh my god (laughs) and it comes out of nowhere so you're like whoa what the fuck stabs him kicks him off into this crevasse fiona runs up to stop her (laughs) slashes her throat throws her over too and then there's a bit of meaningful eye contact between ruthie and paul and ruthie is it's actually really effective and kind of devastating because he can't do anything about it he sees what's happening and a single tear rolls down his face because he's like you know, yeah. this sucks. And then she just, you know, throws herself off the cliff too. And then we finally get the title. But yeah, it's 22 minutes of that. And you're like, well, this is a cool, mo- <laughs> this is a cool movie. And now suddenly <laughs> it says The Empty Man and we're doing a different thing. It's like, oh, I kind of wish we'd go back to, th- I want to know what that was all about. I think it was because we followed these people for 20 minutes. So we're like, oh, these are our main characters. And then when they all like threw, threw themselves off ledges and everything, I was like, oh. Okay, and then you're taken into, like, a completely different movie with a different main character instead of people. It's like, oh, my God. Well, it's kind of like um, like Death Proof, yeah. where, like, the first, like, the first half of the movie, you're following Jungle Julia and her friends. And, like, I, I give too much of a shit about these people that, like, halfway through when it switches to, like, a different crew, I'm like... Oh, I don't care about you as much though. Yeah, I like the other people better. Yeah, you know, or like the um, beginning of the Friday the Thirteenth remake. I was gonna say they did that too, where you like think it's going to be these set of people, but then when they kill all of them off, and then we meet like our new set of characters, we're like, oh, it's yeah. just very like jarring. I think <laughs> I already gave, I already, you know, I'm invested in these people. Right. I don't care about anyone else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this like mopey loser cop, I was just like, <laughs> uh. Hey, James. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I legit I had to go back through all my notes and correct myself because I called him John. <laughs> yeah, and they're not um, even they're not even like super fleshed out characters or anything, but just the situation they're in is engaging, the atmosphere they're in is engaging. Right. Yeah. And then to just switch to like a neighborhood with cars driving around and a guy at his day job. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> I guess this is what right, we're well, doing now. <laughs> well, even the pacing of the cold open, like I get it's an open, like, you know, we're opening the movie, so it's got to have some decent pacing, but like the pacing is right. Like it, enough happens, you know, within that time that you're like, yes, I'm engaged. Like these things are happening, but the rest of this movie just feels too long. And there's just like 
long shots of like hallways and like action and it's like the cutting back you know like with him always envisioning like the past his wife and his kids like okay i feel like a lot of this could have been cut out it could have been like a nice 95 minute movie (laughs) yeah they have like opposite pacing because that cold open when the title comes up you pause it and you go oh that was 22 minutes it didn't feel like it it felt like it flew by because it was so engaging and then the rest of the movie yeah. is where you're like, you pause it and you're like, oh, there's this much longer. Like, it's only gone this far? Like, so they kind of have an opposite pacing in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, we have a sort of detective, a former cop anyway. I don't, he's not, I don't know, he's not like a private eye necessarily. He runs like a little security store that sells people mace and security systems and stuff. James Lasombra, which if you remember your high school Spanish, Lasombra means the shadow, which is a pretty ham-fisted bit of foreshadowing (laughs) see i never took spanish so for me i was like oh sweet okay uh he's played by james dad james badge dale who was most people would know from he was in iron man 3 he was uh in a season of 24 he's been he's been in stuff here and there and he's usually he's really good he's pretty good in this too like you know the the acting's not the problem with this movie yeah He, he goes and has a lonely uh, birthday. Well, a thing comes out, this is day one. And this will wind up being yeah. important in weird ways. He's at a restaurant by himself with a gift certificate for a free birthday meal. And <laughs> the waitress leaves and comes back with the crew to sing happy birthday for him. Unasked for. Like, I guess they just oh, do it anytime. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And this is... My, my friends and family know this, but I want everyone to know this. <laughs> when it is my birthday... And we're out to eat. If you ever send okay. people over to sing happy birthday to me, I will get up and I will leave. I will get in my car and I will go home and leave you there. Yeah, it's I embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing for them. They don't want to be doing this. This is the worst part of their day. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't need it. I'm a grown-ass man. It's like the, being the center of attention in like a restaurant. Everyone's staring at you. You're like, oh god, what do I do with my hands? Well, I, don't even, I don't even like people saying happy birthday. Oh just yeah. Just like you know, if it's at my house or something, right. it's like, like family. Like, yeah, everyone's singing at you, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, like you said, you like sit there what do I like? like <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. No, I would, I hate it. Yeah, um, no one over the age of fourteen needs to have the happy birthday song sung to them ever. It's true. Is my take on that. He's at his house. He looks outside. He sees this girl, Amanda, sitting on the bench, and he goes out to talk to her. There, what? It's a very nebulous, and I guess there's probably a reason for that plot-wise, but it's a very nebulous relationship of what, how, how do these people know each other? You get the sense from their conversation that he used to maybe date her mom, and we'll come to find out that that's not really, the, were they neighbors or just family? For, I don't know did any yes, of you pick up yeah. things i missed on that because <laughs> no well like i was confused half the reason that i had a problem with this movie is they don't explain anyone's relationship so the, the uh, literally up until the end where everything's kind of like laid out i was like why do they know each other how do they know each other who oh wait because i was like okay maybe like him and her mom used to date oh no that's not true because then this wife and son flashback are totally different people but like and they don't they don't ever tell you so it's just kind of like weird and i'm like oh maybe she's like a patient of his but he's not a therapist he's a, an ex-cop or whatever so that doesn't yeah. make sense i 
The only thing I kind of assumed maybe because she mentioned like, oh, like it was almost like she was checking up on him because of like the death of his wife and a son and then her dad dying. So I was like, maybe they were in like some kind of grief group together. I don't know why like my brain went there. Like they're like, oh, like they're helping each other like in a grief grief group. But then they never even say that that's what that is. Yeah. Well, initially, because when they first meet, I was like, that's a dumb haircut. (laughs) Besides that. I was like, uh, you know, she's like, or he says, does your mom know you're here? And I'm like, okay, well, obviously, like, maybe they're like, it's a child of divorce. You know, like, maybe this is his daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but that's. She's got a lot to say. (laughs) Yeah. She's just like, completely, I don't know, the things that she spells out in this movie, I'm like, huh? Yeah, yeah, she's got a, a, a real Prince Valiant bowl cut going on. And she really does. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. And she's spouting some real Scientology sounding nonsense. So he yeah. he fears that like, oh, she's joined a cult. Like that's where she's funneling her grief into. Yeah, but he's, yeah, because she says something like, how have you been? And then he asks her like, well, how has she been? Meaning her mom. So it's kind of, who knows what's going on with all of that at first but now the idea is in his head of like i should probably check in on them <laughs> because this doesn't sound good the things she's saying this sounds like bad news and it's all like some crazy like philosophical, you know, philosophical <laughs> like yeah did you know that you can like make something appear you know because ideas are just ideas until they're not ideas and then yeah. they exist outside of you and you know it's like thought plus repetition plus time i don't know equals flat it's some like weird shit and i was just like whoa (laughs) so yeah so he goes over to their house where amanda has now disappeared her mom nora who he knows somehow and they seem to be quite good friends yeah she's disappeared she wrote the empty man made me do it on her mirror and possibly blood, we're not sure. So the police come, they assume that she has just run away. But Nora's convinced that, like, no, she wouldn't do that. She's just been having, you know, a tough time mentally since her dad died. So James agrees to, like, well, look, I'll look into things. Like, you know, I used to be a cop. I'm fancy myself a detective, I guess. So I'll go and start, I'll find some answers for you and not just leave this to the police because they don't want to listen to you i got it pro bono baby (laughs) do some side work and uh nora's played by marin ireland who was she was i think her name was sissy on the umbrella umbrella academy that last season i haven't seen that that's Um, our gerard show yeah i watched the first episode and i never went back (laughs) not because it was bad just because yeah never went back so he goes to Amanda's school, finds one of her friends, Devara, yeah, and gets the story from her about the night that Amanda and Devara and a bunch of their friends, all, well, friends, is, they don't seem to get along at all. They all kind of seem yeah, to hate each other a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're out on the bridge, and Amanda brought up, like, oh, we should call the Empty Man. It's like this urban legend, and explains to them, like, okay, when you're on a bridge, and you blow on a bottle, and that'll summon the empty man, and then the first night you'll hear him, the second night you'll see him, and the third night you'll feel him, because he comes for you. And everyone kind of begrudgingly does it, and blows in this bottle. 
And then from the other end of the bridge, they start hearing, they hear the like a whistle back. And then like the thudding running footprints or footsteps running towards them. So they take off freaked out. And so at this point we think, okay, this is the movie now. It's going to be these no, kids it's... getting picked off yeah. while he's trying to investigate what's going on. Which I would have been, I would have been down for. Yeah. Cause like when they were explaining all this and like, he's talking to Devarin, like we get this back. So I'm like, yes, I am here for this. This is good shit. Yeah. And I like Devara. I don't know. I mean, we only had like a brief time with her, but I don't, I don't she know. She kind of seemed like every, she knew everything was kind of bull, or she thought everything was kind of bullshit. <laughs> I just don't. I do like Devara, but I think this movie is really um, kind of weird because when we see her, like you know, at the at the the spa or wherever she's at, why did we why did we have to see her naked? Like why was that necessary? Because oh, yeah, it just like didn't. I feel like it just was like not the the vibe of the movie to show like a quote unquote teenager oh, yeah. naked at a spa. I was like that's. You're like you're telling me you're she's in high school, yeah, and then you're gonna show her booties. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was like, uh, okay, interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. all you're, right. You're not alone in that. I mean, obviously, it's right. an adult actress, but yeah, you right. you have told me as a storyteller, you have told me that this is a high school student, and I don't need to see her ass. I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm good there. Thank you though. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, but there are cool little. And you're still kind of engaged in this for a while because there are cool little creepy moments like the whistling coming from the other side of the bridge or when he's talking to Devara, she looks out the wind car window and for a, just a split second behind some kids, she sees that robed tentacle figure. So she's seeing things. Yeah. And, she all, and then she looks out the other window and all the other kids that she was with that night on the bridge, except for Amanda who's missing, are like sitting on the ground just staring into nothing and then they all turn their head to look at her at the same time like a hive mind like yeah and that's creepy, creepy and cool <laughs> so you're like i like where this is going mm, not so much <laughs> yeah it started out real good it was like a like a roller coaster hill or it's like oh hell yeah swift fast doubt like oh hell no no yeah no 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 yeah, unfortunately. No, it's more like you're going up the roller coaster hill, and then you go down a really cool jump, and then it's just a flat track for the next yeah, hour and exactly. a half, <laughs> just in a slow circle. Yep. So, Amanda sort of he goes to talk to because Devara tells him like, but I did see Amanda like whispering at the mall, whispering into this kid Brandon's ear. So there's something going on there. So he goes to Brandon's house to talk to him and learns from his dad that he's Brandon is missing as well. So there's a rash of missing children going around now. He goes to a third kid's house or one of the girls' house and finds in her room. He's just wandering into people's houses, by the way, because no one lets him in here. But yeah, he, he's like, I'm not with the police, but may I enter your home and see your shit? He sees these pamphlets and things for uh, the Pontifex Institute and also finds like a dead dog in her backyard with like its throat ripped out yeah which he was surprisingly really cool about that which i think <laughs> was the blood that was on the mirror yeah yeah oh is that what it okay because i was like yeah, what is that makes... why did we even ha why did we see that it doesn't ever come up again but that's a good point you're right yeah because yeah, like when they're still at amanda's house you know he's like do you have a pet do you have a like an animal and she was like, no, why? And he's like, oh, i'm just curious and they're like, oh, it's probably animal blood on the mirror so then i saw the dead dog i'm like Oh, okay, that's what, that's what that is. Yeah. Good call. I did not catch that. Um, 
So he goes out to the bridge that they were on that night, and he does the whistle on the bottle, because I guess he's not a believer, or I think likes pressing his luck, I don't know. See, it's at this point in the movie that even, I I understand you're like the hardened, grizzled ex-detective or whatever with, you know, a haunted past, but I don't, there still has to come time that you just don't play with this stuff on the off fucking chance. Yeah. that this shit it's is a, real just do your investigation yeah. and don't play around with it <laughs> or don't do it it's not like he's getting paid to do this he doesn't even work for the police anymore i think he like in the beginning he mentioned he was an ex-cop and he's just like following this whole thing well he's trying to help yeah, nora I, find her kid but yeah so but he's on yeah, the bridge just... he whistles in the bottle and then he notices that like sort of the manhole that goes down under to the you know the underside of the bridge is open and he goes down there and this is effective too. He's looking around with a flashlight and then he looks over and something off screen and his eyes get big. And when we see what he's looking at, it's all of the missing kids except for Amanda and Devara, because Devara's not missing, hanging from the bottom of the bridge, like as if they've all hung themselves simultaneously. Yeah, and they look rough. Yeah, that was a creepy shot. They've been there a minute. Yeah, they've been there for a bit. But now, but now we've just, now you've just derailed, because I thought this movie was, I'm going to watch these kids Final Destination style, get picked off one at a time, but now five of them are dead at once. So what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing right now. The last one left. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's just, because the whole like lore behind the empty man is that you got to, you know, go to a bridge, blow in a bottle and think about him when you do so. But it just seems kind of like, I don't know, I guess maybe in a way that they're they're all thinking about him because they're participating, but Devara is just like, I don't give a shit, you know, like, yeah. I can't imagine that she would, like, actively be like, yes, the empty man, while she's blowing into, so it's like the fact that she was attacked anyway, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I just was like, not, like, she would have just blown in the bottle and not thought about anything because she didn't believe it, but. Right, so I don't know. Well, and also those, that wasn't the lore for the cold open, because that's not what happened. Exactly. They crossed right. a bridge, but he didn't blow in the whistle until, at best, we never see it, but at best until he fell into that cave. Like, he fell into the cave and yep. was infected by whatever this thing was that's been there for 500 years. But, you know, it's Ruthie that blows on the whistle later that night. So what, how yeah. he started when he fell in the hole. So the rules kind of don't yeah, really mesh. Yeah, not everybody that died blew into the hole. You know what I mean? Like, why Why did she kill them? And I don't know. It was, it was weird. Yeah. It is weird. So now, yeah, we're at Devara, who's this... I'm, I'm thinking this is her house. Like, she's a spoiled rich kid. Like, she has a spa in her house because she seems... Unless she's staying at a fancy hotel. I don't know why she'd be at a hotel, but... Yeah. So she has, yeah, it's like a steam room in her house, which she goes into, and there's quite a long scene where we can't really see anything because it's too foggy but through the steam comes our rogue i always referred to him as the empty man because you would think he is but we've come to find out the empty man is a whole different thing <laughs> but yeah i'm going to call him the empty man for because it's easier to say than the rogue guy with tentacles appears through the steam and stabs her it's, it's fucking brutal man in the cheek and it's yeah. so fast it's like eight stabs in three seconds, just in her cheek, yeah. like right under her eye, and her oh, eyes like. I always, I always hate <laughs> it's rough. But when we sort of cut to a different close-up, we see that she's doing it to herself, 
which is a whole other layer of like, oh fuck, what? Yeah, because it keeps like I, it keeps. I feel like it like cuts back and forth because I'm like, oh the, you know, the Death Eater got her, and then it like shows her stabbing herself, and I'm like, oh she she killed herself, but then it shows the figure again, and I'm like, so somebody killed her, and I don't know who it is. Okay, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna go with it. Uh, yeah, and in her blood on the floor, she's dying. She writes, "The Empty Man, maybe do it," like everyone does. But yeah, you get. I think the idea is supposed to be that like you're doing this stuff to yourself, but you're imagining that he's doing it, or he's making you do it. But again, it's never really clear. It's not consistent from one victim to another. So right, it's, it's hard all to say. about this like school of you know manifesting a being from a thought kind of thing so it's like oh if you think about the empty man enough then the empty man does it but it's really just you because yeah. you're thinking about it right kind of thing i don't know that's what i get I, this movie was too deep and it didn't need it's all, to be. it gets a little muddled yeah for sure no but i feel like it's deep in a way that like stoners won't shut up about you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where they're sitting around and they're trying to tell you the mysteries of the universe. Like, especially like when he goes to the stuff that Amanda was saying and when he goes and talks to Stephen Root, who's kind of appears to be sort of the head of this cult or their motivational speaker, TED Talk guy or whatever. He is saying absolute gibberish that's meant to sound deep and philosophical, but actually doesn't mean a goddamn thing, Yeah. which is what all cults are. You know, they all it's have that. It's yeah. all pretty sounding words where it talks in a circle and you're like, um, yes, yeah, sounds great. And then you leave and you're like, what the fuck was he talking about? Yeah, and it's meant to make you feel like, I guess he's smarter than me because I didn't understand what he was saying. So I, he must be right and I must be dumb. But really, yeah, he's, exactly. just, he's just talking out his ass. So after Devara's death, James goes to see the actual cops to find out what's going on. And the cop tells him a story about like, oh, in this other town, this stuff is going around and it's spreading. And it's like a, it's mimetic. It's a mean, it's a viral thought thing that something's going on because there was a woman in the other town over who fed her baby to a pack of dogs because she thought it was whispering to her. <laughs> so it's not isolated here. Like it's happening kind of everywhere. And I also, I made a note. Yeah, they said that the baby... <laughs> the baby made the woman do it or something i was like so the baby conjured the empty man like what the fuck and it's weird if the cop knew that this was happening everywhere that they like why they would brush this off when it happened because the whole reason that james is investigating is because he believes that the cops won't really do anything because she's missing so it's weird that he's like oh yeah this is actually happening everywhere then why wouldn't you take it more seriously right. <laughs> oh, so then he's correct and that you guys aren't doing anything yeah it's just weird <laughs> So James goes to research this Pontifex Institute. He learns that there were, some years back, there were six people who kind of hold themselves up in a cabin and were conducting some sort of occult experiment, and they all died during it. And that's related to that they were part of the Pontifex Institute. And we see the word tulpa, which means thought form, which doesn't sound like much, but it'll be important. Nora brings him some food, after which he has, and I want to take, because this is going to play into the major problems I have with the ending of this movie, the twist. It's very important that Nora brings him food. I'll just say that. <laughs> Anytime he and Nora are talking, it's going to wind up being very important, but also not important at all. Anyway, um, <laughs> Nora brings him food, she leaves, 
and he has sort of a dream about a woman and a kid having a car crash, which I, I feel like they tried to build it up until the end. That there was like this, this big mystery of what, but like I, I kind of figured out right away that like yeah. okay, that's his wife and kid. They died in a car crash because you see his he has his wedding ring in his medicine cabinet that he doesn't wear anymore. Yeah, so like the uh, fact well, that they tried course... to treat it like a big reveal at the end was weird because it's like well, it's not that hard to figure out. Right. Well, especially because they, you know, it's this weird relationship with this other woman and then he's having dreams about, you know, and we see pictures of these people in his home and it's like that, you know, the phrase that keeps haunting him is this woman saying like where were you? It's like, ah, okay, so he was cheating on you and they crashed up, you know, they obviously got into a car accident and they died and you have guilt about that got it so then at the end it's like yeah no i knew i no i knew that yeah. i got it i figured it out <laughs> so he wakes from this dream and he hears i mean it's night one so he's hearing the empty man he's hearing thumping in his hallway and thumping at the door so he grabs a baseball bat but there's not really anything there so he goes back to bed but he's definitely on edge about it he goes to the actual pontifex institute they have like yeah they have like a scientology center they have this whole an enormous building with a huge basement and all this. I don't know where they're... Since 1995, they've put all this together. But And he goes and fills out like their questionnaire, which is... I should have written down some of the <laughs> questions and stuff, but it's all weird, random. Yeah, that's supposedly deep. And he's looking at it like, what is this? And he even asks yeah. the lady, like, his performance is really good because he has a lot of lines. Sometimes they feel really in Indiana Jones to me where he's just like... Like when he's getting chased by the cult later and he's like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> But he comes up to the lady who's like at the reception desk or whatever, and he looks at her with this weird smile on his face and goes, what is this? And she's yeah, like, like oh, what really is this? <laughs> yeah, like I see through. And he keeps saying, I'm from San Francisco, which at first seems like it's him saying, like, you can't fool me from this shit. I'm from Hippie Town, USA. Like, I've yeah. seen all yeah. this before. He'll say it three or four times in the movie, and I, they never really explain it, but I think I have a handle on what the reason for that is, and we'll, we'll get to it. But... Yeah. Yeah, then we meet, he goes, meets Stephen Root. He's talking a bunch of gibberish at him about the empty man and staring into the abyss and the abyss staring back at you and repetition becoming, yeah, all of that stuff, which I'm not even going to try to get into. The mumbo jumbo. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of that conversation, he does say to James, he says, I'm glad you came back. And James is like, I've never been here before. And the guy's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I must be mistaken then. Which James <laughs> should really pay more attention to. But he sort of sneaks off and he's looking through this building where he's not supposed to be on his own. There's like a dormitory with cots filling the room and there's a bunch of bald... Look, if you have a room with more than four bald men in it, that's a cult. <laughs> and there's like six or seven... <laughs> yeah. There's six or seven guys with their, shaved head, with their heads shaved sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor looking at just a black rectangle on the wall and staring at it listening to like weird affirmation records or whatever but it's kind of cool because we can sort of see very faintly you can sort of there's something moving inside that rectangle like there's yeah. something shifting inside of there which again he should not blow off he should not walk past i know he's trying to be stealthy but <laughs> i would you know i would get caught immediately because i'd be like what the fuck is that <laughs> I got questions. <laughs> what y'all doing over here? Oh, sorry, sorry. My, I'm, I'm on my business. I'll stay in the back. 
So he gets out of the basement. He's in sort of a records room with shelves full of binders, one of which the camera very purposely focuses on that says Manifestation 14 that he walks by, and it will be important later. He, there's also like a class going on in this, not up in a classroom where it should be, just like in a huge open room in the basement that's pretty dark. There's just a circle of people sitting in front of a blackboard and a woman reading more of the gibberish to them. And he kind of is kind of stealthily trying to listen to them, but then he makes a sound. And so they're like, hey, is somebody there? So he has to sneak off. And none of this is ever really explained so much. I think it's just supposed to be atmospheric and creepy and yeah. make you wonder what's going on. But there's a there's one boy, a boy, he's a teenager at you know, at worst, (laughs) a young man (laughs) who kind of pulls him aside and is like, because he showed this kid Amanda's pictures, like, hey, have you ever seen this girl here? And he's like, no. But then later he pulls James aside and he's like, hey, if you want to find that girl, there's this camp downstate. Here's where it's at. Weird stuff goes on there. You can go look there. And so he does. He drives to, yeah, he drives to this camp. It's like a straight up, like, kind of like a Friday the 13th can't like when he gets to the cabin (laughs) yeah or or sleepaway camp or something where there's like the bunk beds you know there's six seven bunk beds in each sort of cabin but it's very abandoned very derelict there's a what's the important things here there's a burnt sort of burnt teddy bear on the floor a big one which for unexplained reasons will move on its own slightly and then disappear and that's never I mean, it shows up at his house, so that the disappearing is explained, but when it moves on its own, they no explanation for that. Yeah, that was weird. Don't ask. I wonder if it's, like, just to signify that maybe, like, someone else was there and they know that he was there and it's following him, because then they end up dumping that teddy bear off on his porch, like, a, as, like, a, oh, you know, we know that, you, you know, we know where you live, we know where you are, all that. But they should assume, he should assume that anyway, because he goes and, you know, at the camp, he finds like fi- the files right. on everyone and he's got a file too so it's like and it, even though at the time when he finds that it, it's empty obviously like they've been keeping tabs on him they got a file started on his ass so it's like yeah i don't know i would just assume that at that point that they're watching me at all time yeah when in the back of this cabin there's like an av room or something with an old there's no way this stuff still works man i refuse to believe it's like a vcr and an old tv and they are so coated with dust like, how is there even power on in this place? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but he puts in a videotape that says Manifestation 13, and he watches this creepy video of, like, a group of people, and they've got somebody tied to a chair who has kind of weirdly glowing eyes, or at least in sort of night vision they do, who is, like, picking at themselves and, like, writing in their own blood or drawing sort of the silhouette of the hollow man or the empty hollow man. That's a different movie. The empty man <laughs> on the wall which he looks over and realizes he's in that room because the thing is still there on the wall. And then he looks back and the teddy bear's gone. So he's seeing some creepy shit, but not really getting answers so much. And then he goes, a bri- there's a bridge again, because he's kind of in, he just wanders off into the woods. I don't know what he's what his plan is, but he wanders off into the woods and comes to sort of like a little marsh or something. And there's a little wooden footbridge that you have to cross. And as he's going to do that, he sees a bunch of people around a roaring bonfire chanting and dancing around it and so he stops to watch that and then the fire like shoots up into the sky and then the sky the stars like time lapse move through the sky so i i'm not sure if it's that he lost time because he kind of like gets woozy for a second or if it's i I have no idea what's going on right there (laughs) 
Yeah, it was some it weird, like, weird. pagan, midsummer, wicker man shit going down. Yeah. <laughs> Found her. Yeah, but then he, like, looks back, and they're all... Oh, it's, like, normal. Well, because at first he looks down, and it's, like, well, it's a normal-sized fire, and they're all still doing their weird, like, you know, like, the midsummer around the maypole dance. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, turns to leave. He's like, fuck, this is boring. And then, yeah. then it gets dark, because then the fire goes out. Yeah. And then they're all just staring they're all staring at him and it's creepy (laughs) and then they all do like you know like you said it's like the hive mind because he takes a step back and then they all take a step forward collectively yeah and he does it again and then they do it again and that's when he's like yeah no (laughs) (laughs) yeah he literally says yeah no and turns and runs and they charge across the water after him i mean it's probably like 30 people and they all have sort of like hoodies on or something so like you can't see their faces but yeah, the fire just went out, like it was roaring, and then it was just gone. And so, yeah. this is that's kind of a cool, effective scene where I'm like, all right, I like where this is going. More of this, please, yeah. and less of him walking around, looking at the financial records of a, you know, like that's I don't want yeah. that movie. Yeah. I don't want that movie. So, yeah, they're kind of a chase through the woods. He gets in his car and he has to kind of plow through these people to get away, which he doesn't seem to have a problem doing. But I mean, self defense, I suppose. It's kind of like the end of disturbing behavior. Yeah. (laughs) So he brings the files to the cops who are not impressed. They're like, hey, were you like trespassing? And he's like, that's not the point. And they're like, no, it is the point because you're going to fuck up our investigation. If it turns out you're onto something here and then we have to show where did we get this evidence from and we can't explain it because you weren't supposed to be there. So stop doing what you're doing. This is not your job. Let us do our job. And they're not wrong. Yeah, right. I was like, amen. <laughs> so at this point, he is sufficiently weirded out that he goes and grabs Norrin's like, you're probably not safe here. I'm following some leads. I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I think Norris is still alive, so don't freak out. But I'm going to put you up in a hotel because you're not probably safe at your house. So he does that. Yeah, I, I did think that was funny, though. He goes to the person who he thinks is in danger, and he's being followed. Immediately <laughs> goes there, and it's like... <laughs> you're not safe here the phone rings and it's again it just sounds like gibberish and he hangs up and he's like all right follow me so you can be in clear sight that you're leaving your house and following me and then they get to the hotel and just like wherever they're at he's like mm-hmm. yeah i don't think we were followed <laughs> how do you know that though as is a, a man in a white van down the street <laughs> right? like, what the fuck <laughs> oh that was good so back at his house, he wakes at 3.03 again, as he did the first time. What the significance of that is, couldn't tell you. From a, that same nightmare again of the car crash and whatnot. Um, but this time he sees the empty man. Like, he hears the noise down the hall and he looks, and this time that robe figure is there, runs towards him down the hallway, he's got his baseball bat, and then he's, it's just gone. So, because it's day, because, yeah, we've seen a thing come up that says day two. And he goes to the front porch, and that teddy bear is on his porch, and then he, no sir, what does he do? Takes it in. Takes it in. <laughs> a dummy. Brings it into his house. Yeah. That's a haunted bear, sir. Leave that shit outside. Yeah. Set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> what are you exactly. doing? Exactly. Also the fact that the, that was only, all of that part of the movie was only day one. <laughs> so when it right. flashes to day two, I'm like, what? <laughs> We've been here forever. <laughs> yeah, he covered a lot of ground on day one. But even if it's not haunted, you're paranoid about people watching you. There could be a nanny cam in that bear. Why are you bringing it? You should not bring that bear in your house. (laughs) 
they clearly know where you live. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty stupid. So the morning of day, is it day three now? I probably. I think so. I <laughs> hope so, because this, it, yeah, this can't all be day one. Yeah, because this is a second nightmare, so. Oh, that makes more sense, because I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> he's taking his, whatever his meds are in the medicine cabinet, and he puts his wedding ring on this time. He follows that boy, the boy, the young man that told him where the camp was, follows him to the hospital, a very unrealistically large and gothic looking hospital. Like, it's not, it can't be a real place. It's cool looking, but. Yeah. The, uh, the Institute from House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Yeah. For mm-hmm. <laughs> tall. Yeah. Uh, so he follows this kid to the hospital and he gets up to the ICU and there's a guy on life support and the boy and sort of his friends from the meeting are all bowing down to this guy. So he thought, now at this point, he's really gone over the edge because this, this kid leaves, he follows it, he maces this kid and basically yeah. kidnaps him. Like, yeah. no two ways about it. He sprays this kid with a mace and throws him in the backseat of his car and drives off with him. <laughs> in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Yeah. In broad daylight. <laughs> <Is> he... <laughs> like, there's going to be repercussions yeah. for this. Hear... <laughs> and he's, like, following them so, like, uh, I don't know. I felt like his entire, like, I'm following you. It was, like, so obvious. Because he picks up, like, eight people along the way. It's like a fucking clown car. Yeah. So he stops, like, at least eight times. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was like Joe Goldberg and you. It's like, yeah. he's on a baseball cap. He's like, no he one will right see right window, but no one will see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's grilling this kid, like, okay, what is going on? Cut, cut your bullshit and your jargon and just tell me, tell me what is going on. Because I just saw you at the hospital bowing to, like, it's crazy stuff happening. What is going on? And the kid tells him that the guy in the hospital is a transmitter, basically, from... And now we get a whole other term. It's not the empty man we got to worry about. It's the between one. It's some real Lovecraftian... And a lot of it, because I watch... For the show, I watch every movie twice. When I first get it and find out what it is, I watch it once to just kind of get an overview. And then I watch it a second time to take my notes... And I appreciated the movie slightly more the second time because I picked up on a lot more kind of the Lovecraftian stuff that I wasn't really catching on the first time. But yeah, it's real Lovecraftian stuff about, you know, elder gods and stuff in the from other planes and the, the in-between one who is sending messages to us through the empty man. And we need a new empty man because the old one is burning itself out. Yeah, yeah from, it's like dying. <laughs> from being the transmitter. And he beats the shit out of this kid like he's got him in hand like you have illegally detained he's put handcuffs on this boy and driven him out to a dockyard somewhere yeah punches him five six times in the face he's laughing like the joker catching a beating from batman exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) but he's like you know you're seeing you're seeing stuff aren't you like he's you have that itch in your brain and there'll be little times where james kind of like kind of shudders and has to like like he's getting woozy like he's hearing a ringing so something's going on with him he goes back to the pontifex institute finds that manifestation 14 file which is all about the guy in the hospital but also himself there's a folder with his name on it with news clippings about his wife and kids car accident but the picture correct me if i'm wrong but the picture of the it says hero cops family dies in car crash or whatever but the picture is of a different person right i think so yeah i think the, so I, thought it was really weird. I think the name in the article is different too and also the 
the gift certificate that he had from his sad ass birthday is in there too. And he's like, yeah. what the fuck? How do you have this stuff? What is going on? And there's a picture of him naked, like just sitting in a chair in like a little room or a little tunnel or something. So now he's very confused. And so are we. <laughs> Okay, as am I. <laughs> Over the many turns this movie turns. So, so uh, we're in the home stretch now. He goes back to the hospital that night, and there's a nurse there who. Oh, God. <laughs> this nurse is kind of funny because he's like, hey, I'm a private detective. I'm looking for somebody. I think it might be that guy. Tell me about that guy. And she's like, I can't divulge client or patient information except all of this information i'm about to give you and then proceeds yeah. for two minutes straight to tell him everything about this guy he's been here for a long time we don't know who pays his bills but he gets a lot of visitors and at first it seems like she kind of doesn't know what's going on but as the conversation progresses you realize that like oh no she's totally in on this because she has very knowing sort of whispers to him like maybe you should go see him <laughs> you know and shit like yeah, that. And she's like real, her eyes almost look black. Yeah, her whole demeanor real. changes, yeah. I feel like. Because at first she just like couldn't be bothered with him. And then when he's like wants to know more, she kind of turns to him in like a way. And it's just like, what do you want to know? <laughs> right. And she's like, in fact, he has a visitor right now. So he goes in the room and it's Amanda. Not missing at all. She's up on the bed, kind of straddling this dude and trimming his beard, <laughs> like taking care of him. Yeah, and she's talking more of her gibberish, nonsensical, who talk. And so he goes to call Nora. Here, here's where the movie falls completely apart for me. <laughs> because yeah. he calls Nora to tell her, like, hey, I'm here with Amanda. I found her. And she's like, who is this? And he's like, it's James. I'm here. I'm here with Amanda. I found her. And she's like, I don't know who you are. I think you have the wrong number. Click. So he's like, what the f so he's yelling at Amanda, like, what the fuck? Tell me what the fuck is going on. This cannot be real what's happening right now. He's confused. I'm confused. We're all confused. <laughs> There's much confusion. Here's the gist. And it takes, a while, it takes a lot of footage to get us here. But I'll break it down real fast. Here's the twist of the movie. James LaSombra is not a real person. He is a thought form. He is the tulpa that this cult has created to be the new vessel, to be the new empty man, to be the new vessel for the one, the between one, because this body in the hospital, who is Paul from the beginning, is burning itself out and they need a new strong body for it to live in, to keep transmitting. And once that happens, stuff's really going to accelerate and this cult is going to take over the world, kind of, basically. Yeah. Here's my issue. I am absolutely fine and I love a twist at the end of the movie. Because what a twist should be is everything you saw happened, but there was another angle on their thing going on that you didn't know about. And now we're going to show you that so that you see what you already saw in a different way. Right? That's a good twist. Yeah. What right. this twist is, a lot of the things we showed you never happened. And I hate it so much. Oh, I agree. That's cheating. Yeah. I, well, uh, let me tell you, even before we got here, there was a minute in the movie, so when he wakes up at, at 3.03 again or whatever, I was like, please don't tell me that everything I watched up until this point was a lie. was like, <laughs> it didn't happen, because I would have been so pissed off. But again, I felt like, you know, not as mad, but it was like a little of the same when, you know, basically what you said, like, oh, we found out that like half the shit that we just watched didn't really happen. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
because for right. some reason they needed rather than they couldn't they couldn't just make an empty person with no for him to work as the transmitter he needs to have fears and emotions and things so they filled him with this backstory he's only been the reason we've seen day one day two day three is because he has only been alive for three days yeah so everything we've seen of him is his entire existence as a living being i'm going to edit this into the episode because i i said we would come back to it and then we forgot but the whole uh i'm from san francisco thing that is sort of his mantra I suspect that what that's all about is he, as he feels these things sort of encroaching that itch in his brain where he's starting to, you know, like at the edges of his brain, he probably knows that he's not a real person and that something is up. And so the, that I'm from San Francisco thing is him kind of grounding himself and reminding himself of like, no, you're a real person because you you're from San Francisco like that's like a focal point that he has that that's from his backstory that he can focus on as far as you know to keep himself from thinking thoughts weird thoughts about himself and his own existence so that's my take on that kind of a cool idea except for every scene where we see him with Nora flat out didn't happen right right so there's 10 to 15 minutes of the movie that you lie you straight lied to us about because it you know (laughs) it was in his head or something because she does not know who he is he's not a real person but it's also weird too when amanda says and you think i don't know about you and my mom yeah so if he just existed you know if he was just created three days ago how like, why did you even, why did she even make that comment to him? Yeah. I think Unless he, he was somebody else all along and he thought that he was living that person's life, maybe? I think that's why there's a different picture and name in that article. I think that they yeah. took someone else's sort of backstory. I think Nora yeah. actually did sleep with somebody's husband the night that they died. Yeah. But it's a different yeah. person. And they took that backstory and filled him with it. But for right. but for what? Why couldn't he? I mean, they yeah. make up the rules that he has to have, you know, a backstory for some reason. But it doesn't feel, I don't know. Yeah, it's a stretch to me. I guess. No, it's it a big is. stretch. Yeah, because I was a little confused at the ending. I kind of like went back a little bit, and I'm like, okay, wait, what? What did I miss here? I did not. I was confused, and I was like, I'm just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Push on. And we get a lot, in this moment, we get a lot of flashbacks of him. Yeah, they act like it's a reveal that he was literally cheating with Nora at the moment that his wife and kid went off the bridge. But of course, not really, because these memories aren't real. There's also a kind of a cool scene where he's in that chair. And I don't know what it means, because was this at the beginning of day? Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. But he's in that chair from the picture, (laughs) and he's seeing the skeleton from the beginning through the wall. Or like through a mirror like or something and it comes through after him and it's kind of the only really good looks we get at what the this creature looks like and it starts it tackles him and it starts puking into his mouth and basically injects its entire self into his mouth yeah that was gross <laughs> which is kind of cool looking but what does it yeah. mean what does it mean right like he's the vessel right. for this thing now but that was back when he first woke up on day one i don't know 
I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's a you real problem. And also, like, this thing goes inside of him, it looks like, to, like, take over him. But we never saw anything like that happen to Paul in the beginning. And mm -hmm. we keep seeing glimpses of this figure outside of the body. So it clearly can exist without a human host. And it didn't need to be in Paul to take over him. So why is it so important that we get this shot of this, like, thing going inside of whatever his name is, John, James, James, James yeah. He'll, he'll forever be John to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Can't change her mind. <laughs> but so he comes very abruptly out of these visions or flashbacks or whatever he's having and pulls his gun out and blows Paul's comatose brains all over the wall and then steps out of the room. And and this is very, this is where the, this, this is so hereditary to me. Like they should be saying, payment, payment, you know, because payment. he steps out of the hospital room and the nurse and all these orderlies and stuff from the hospital, like the lights dim and they all bow down to him. And we sort of close up on his face because now, yeah, now he's been possessed by the between one or whatever. It's jumped out of Paul into him or something, question no, mark. Like <laughs> right, right. And now that, he's the empty man. <laughs> and that's the movie. I don't know. It's it starts okay. so strong. I it know. really did, and then That's just the derails. So it, well, because you, you watched it before I did, and I was, you know, I was like, "How is it?" And you're like, eh, "It kind of like loses me in the middle." And as I'm watching it, it's like the cold open is great. I love like the backstory of like a man and her friends, and I'm like, "I don't know what she's talking about." And because again, I thought this was all ha like this was like half of the movie for me, and then I paused and I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> oh this is okay." And then I. I completely understood what you were talking about then. It's like halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh, there's still an hour and eight minutes yeah, left of this movie. They just, they just didn't need to make it so long. And I guess, I don't know, I feel like things just got really convoluted and messy at some point. You Which know? again, I think works if it's, you know, because it's based on a comic or a graphic novel. So I think somebody is like out their ideas. They work in a graphic novel, in, you know, in a comic when you have time yeah. and, you know, to like explain certain things and whatever, but like in a movie, it, it just didn't, it didn't work. They were trying to touch on too much and squeeze it all into like one movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it spends a lot of real estate setting up this twist that doesn't work for me. So that's a or, lot yeah, of wasted no time. It almost Absolutely. would have been better maybe as like a mini series, I would think, you know, then we would get a little bit more time, I think, to like do these like investigative things and get a little bit more backstory, maybe. I don't know. I mean, just because it was so long and just kind of crammed into one thing, it might have been better as something that could have been more drawn out. <laughs> yeah. Or they could have, if they insisted on keeping this like two hour time frame, they could have used it so much better. But a lot of it is just like these long shots. Yeah, you know it's like down a hallway or watching him walk somewhere or like you know it's the, like i don't need to see you pour a drink or yeah. you know stare down a hallway for 40 seconds it just seems like it's like a lot of wasted um, film yeah to me step one for me is i would have cut out all of the scenes with him with nora and just had them on the phone yeah yeah we only ever see him on the phone with her then at the end that's a better payoff because you're not, you know, I didn't waste time watching something that literally didn't happen. Right. You know, right. so that would have been a trim I would have made if it were me. Yeah. That's the hollow man. Um, I, I, now I see why you called it Sixth Sense because, yeah. Not, not the <laughs> hollow man, the empty man. The empty man. The Same hollow shit. man is different. 
Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, it yeah, is that. It was, uh, it was crazy. It's not something I do on my show, but in honor of of your visit here, that's something you do on you sh- on your show. Uh, we could give this ratings out of five real quick. Oh, oh shit! Okay, well, um, I think for me, I hate you know I hate to go kind of low, but maybe like a two out of five. Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy. There were parts of this movie that I really enjoyed, but I can't even say that like it was like middle of the road for me because I, for the most part, I thought it was like just overly long. But the parts that were really good were really good. So, like, I'll give it credit for that. I mean, it was really well shot, even if it, the shots were a little too long. So, yeah, I think for me, that, that's safe. Yeah, I am going to go middle of the road just for myself. Two and a half out of five. Because the first half of this movie, I, I don't even say, like, the first, like, not even the first half. Maybe, like, the first third of this movie is really good. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. really effective. But, like, the back half of the movie just gets a little long, a little, uh... Out there in thought, you know, it's like, you know, just a bunch of talking out your ass and these like yeah. grandiose ideas. And I'm just like, uh, keep it. Yeah. And yeah and the whole thing with Nora, where they never knew each other. So, like, what the hell even was happening? Yeah, no, two and a half out of five. It's an all right movie. How about you? Yeah, that sounds, two and a half sounds about right. I'm tempted to go two, but again, it's almost worth watching just for that first 22 minutes because that is like yeah. one of the best short film horror movies i've seen in a long time like it's so so yeah. good yeah agreed, and then I agree. and then if you yeah. turn it off after that you're forgiven <laughs> like i don't know yeah. it's worth watching but it's not yeah it's definitely winds up kind of disappointing it is that time in the episode where i press the magic button to see what my movie for next week will be chosen completely at random from everything streaming Pressing the button (laughs) now. Oh, the horror streak is broken. See, this is my fear. My fear was I was going to get a bunch of horror movies, like five or six in a row, in August, September, and then October comes and I get Christmas movies or some shit. But (laughs) no, next week is, I've never heard of this, Nobody's Baby. What a cast this had. How have I never heard of this? Okay, Nobody's Baby. It is on Tubi only from the year 2000. It has... Gary Oldman, Skeet Ulrich, oh, oh, oh. Uh, Mary Mary Steenburgen, Matthew Modine, Anna Gunn. There's a bunch of yeah. yeah how is there yeah. this many people? And I've never heard of this movie. It says it's a drama and a comedy. I don't know. I guess I'll find out what that is next week. We'll be tuning in. Before we get to socials and stuff, I want to do a quick shout out to the only reason that I found your guys's podcast and fell in love with it and found you guys was because of an app called slasher which i discovered recently i was turned on to by adrian Tufay, the director of uh, be my cat when i spoke to him um it's like and I, if you're a horror fan you should go and join up it's like facebook but with just for horror stuff and horror fans but without your stupid uncle telling you vaccines don't work like yeah like there's it's like a no politics place so it's kind of a safe haven to go and just talk shop with horror people and it's very cool and it's how i discovered fright mike which everyone should go listen to (laughs) because they are very funny their dynamic is great and uh, it's a great show so fright mike podcast go listen to that where can people find you otherwise should you choose to be found 
Uh, we're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Where you can find our podcast um, anywhere that you listen. We're on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Stitcher. Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere, really. You can even just Google it, and it'll pop up. And we're recently on YouTube, just yeah. the audio. Yeah, we have all of our episodes uploaded to up uh, to YouTube right now, just the audio currently, but we are in the works to... Um, do like video actual video like filming us talking um and that's actually this is actually the first time we're announcing it on your show yeah (laughs) well that hardly seems fair (laughs) (laughs) well i greatly appreciate you both being here like i said i i I love your show i've been listening to it nonstop for the last three weeks and i think you guys are great and very funny so i'm very glad you're here i was happy to uh, be on your show as well so people who are listening to this uh go check out their show our, the episode should be dropping on the same day, I believe. We did yeah, uh, yeah. the taking of Deborah Logan for their show. And it was a fun. It was a good time. I hope I didn't yeah, ruin their show. Happy to have you. Yeah, <laughs> we're happy to have you, and thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, and I am uh, at Heath Lambert78. The show is Twitter, of course. At That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, That's So Random Pod at gmail.com for all of your complaints, inquiries, things of that nature. <laughs> I'm not on YouTube yet. I should consider it. That's a good idea. Instagram is literally just my baby, so don't bother looking for anything podcast-related there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that will do it for this week. Everyone go listen to Fright Mike. Thank you, ladies, again. And uh, oh, I will see, see everyone next week for Nobody's Baby, and we'll find out together <laughs> what the hell that movie is. So... Uh, that'll do it for this week for myself and Sam and Liz. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.